You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. In this episode, we'll be discussing the uses and benefits of incorporating glass atomer technology into your restorative procedures. Our guest is Dr. Mark Geisberger, who has over 27 years of experience in dental education. He currently teaches at the University of the Pacific and has authored numerous articles in a variety of dental publications. He maintains a private practice in Greenbrae, California, in aesthetic and restorative dentistry. Dr. Geisberger, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, it is great to be included in this process. I love being online and talking with uh, with all the listeners. So to begin, what are the benefits of incorporating glass atomer technology into the practice? Well, Phil, this is a great question. And, you know, for years, uh, at least I was trained with two primary direct restorative materials, amalgam and composites. Well, amalgams have really become a bit passe, and that's left us really with composites. But the reality is there's a portion of your practice space that really needs glass onomer technology. And those are people with high caries rates that really haven't got their disease under control. So what I see as a huge benefit is this has become kind of my patch and pray material, where I used to patch a lot of things with the amalgam and just sit back and watch it fail. Now I can patch a lot of things in really challenged patients with a glass onomer and get that huge fluoride release, which is a real benefit in a very active caries-based patient. Yeah, and these restorations that you're putting in actually can last quite long, can't they? Absolutely. You know, the only challenge for glass onomers is if you have a very large surface area under a lot of occlusal chewing, yeah, they may wear out more quickly. But if the restorations are relatively small in non-load-bearing areas, they can last indefinitely. And they're really good on root surfaces. Right, right. Uh, you get that incredible ion exchange. So, exactly. Yeah. So given that, why is glass onomer often overlooked as a restorative material in the U.S.? Well, you know, that's a real interesting question, and I think it's probably multifactorial. One thing is, you know, our billing system really doesn't have a code that identifies glass ionomer. We have, you know, the amalgam codes, and we have the composite resin codes. So I think doctors are often challenged of what do I bill it out as? The second thing is, um, you know, we weren't the pioneers in glass ionomers. In fact, glass ionomers really got their start in three areas, Britain, um, Australia, and in Asia. And as such, American dentists really never looked at that technology. But, you know, overseas, they're a huge portion of a lot of practices. So what benefits would a glass onomer have for those patients that have a high caries risk? Yeah, so it, this is a big deal. You know, I, I see this all the time with my geriatric patients where, you know, they go for years without getting a carious uh, uh, carious lesion, and then suddenly things systemically change where they've got medications that are drying them out, and their caries rate starts to increase. So with those patients, really the huge benefit of glass onomers is, number one, that ionic bond, and oftentimes we're dealing with root caries. Um, so we get that high ionic bond with root caries. And the other thing that, that glass onomers do is have that high fluoride release and what we call rechargeability meaning if the patient is ingesting a source of fluoride, the glass onomer will reuptake that fluoride and then re-release it. So there's this continued exchange of fluoride in and out. So for years, we just thought, hey, glass onomers leach out all their fluoride and it's a deal done. But the reality is they'll reuptake fluoride, hold it, and release it as needed. And that's a huge benefit of yeah. glass onomers. Yeah, without a doubt. So you talked about root surfaces. 
What about occlusal surfaces that are just minimally invasive uh, drilling by the dentist? And it maybe covers the occlusal, maybe it goes a little bit to the buckle and the lingual, like on a, on a molar. Isn't a glass anomer preferred there just from the standpoint that it doesn't really have to have, you know, as it, it's not necessary to have the compressive strength or the aesthetics of a composite? Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think, you know, these conservative class ones, uh, gloss animals are a really good choice because you get that ionic bond and then that continued fluoride release. And, you know, oftentimes we're doing these in, in adolescence um, or juveniles and uh, they don't have their oral hygiene under control yet and their teeth are still developing. So the presence of that fluoride molecule being released continually is really a benefit um, in in a developing dentition. So I think that's a huge application for them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So what are you currently using in your practice for glass ionomer procedures and why? Okay, so what I'm using currently for glass ionomers is a product from Voco called Ionostar Plus. Now, they make two versions of a glass ionomer. One is called Ionostar and the other is called Ionostar Plus. The only difference there is one is a fast set and one is a regular set. Well, the reality is, as as dentists today, we're so used to curing things in 20 seconds that sitting around for minutes to watch a material harden is um, is quite frustrating. So I actually opt to use a very fast-setting version of a glass ionomer uh, called Ionostar Plus. The plus stands for just a rapid set. And for me, I have adequate working time to to place any restoration, whether it be occlusal or buccal, and then it sets relatively quickly so that I can go, go then and, um, and finish the restoration. When it comes to restorative materials, I would always recommend to a, a doctor that you really check the handling. And with glass onomers, we need to realize that they tend to be fairly sticky. Um, so you want to find one that tends to be less sticky in nature, and Autostar Plus is one that I found um, through a recommendation of a colleague, um, works extremely well. So, you know, you've got to check handling, um, and uh, and then you want to check its, uh, its finishing capabilities, and Ionostar Plus finishes very nicely. And then the third selection would be, you know, number of shades you need in your practice. In reality, I have just a couple of shades, and they do just fine for me. So yeah. I think those are the big things when looking at a glass onomer. Yeah, no, great point. So just to wrap up this podcast, as far as the isolation that's required when dealing with glass onomers, tell us a little bit about, very briefly, whether or not we should be, you know, drying everything out or or, or a little moisture. How does glass onomer perform before it's fully set? And, and what kind of isolation do you have to be concerned about? Well, with the beautiful thing with glass onomers, they actually prefer a moist surface, not a bone dry surface. And in fact, water is incorporated into the setting process. So in reality, um, you want a, a, a clean field, but not necessarily a dry field. So having a little moisture there is okay. And in fact, one trick I do often with glass onomers is once it's started to set up a little, I'll take a cotton pellet with a tiny amount of water in it. I'll squeeze out that water, and then I'll use that damp cotton pellet to really smooth off the glass onomer. And that really helps in finishing it before it's fully set. But, yeah, glass onomers respond well in a, in a moist environment. And that's why, you know, for me, if I've got subgingival caries under a crown and I'm trying to patch it on a 90-year-old, I always turn to a glass onomer because it'll, it'll tolerate that moisture and be just fine. 
Yeah, yeah. So many advantages to this actually amazing material that's somewhat overlooked based on its benefit in the ion exchange and patients that have high carries risk rate. Uh, it's just a phenomenal material. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for your insight, Dr. Geisberger. I know you're going to be doing some more podcasts with us. The next one, um, our, and I'm talking to our listeners now, you should look into if you haven't listened to it already is on core buildup. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Dr. Geisberger. Alrighty. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Just so you know, you can access all of our episodes on Viva Learning's website at vivalearning.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.